welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. Thank you for joining us on the podcast here today. We usually start by talking about what's going on in our respective farms and houses. So Katie, what's going on in your barnyard? Well, Arlene, I'm glad this only took us three takes today. I think that's the most it's taken since like, what, the first episode? Yeah, uh, usually we just wing it. Yeah, we've... Haven't kind of loved it a few times, (laughs) but we're uh, we're here now. Damn it, crops are up, everything looks good. Hay is ready to cut, but it's we're in that early summer pattern of it raining like every three days. So just enough that the hay is growing beautifully, just enough so that you can't cut the goddamn hay because it's gonna get rained up. But it looks pretty. Looks great. Had a raccoon in the chicken coop the other night so we've got the traps out and hoping not to have to set poison out because between kids and puppies I just I don't like using poison anyway but we've got a lot of other creatures around the place but also I am not here to feed raccoons so there is that that's Um, fair Bailey is starting puppy kindergarten tonight so hopefully that will slow her roll substantially she is Very excited to start her dog work. For anyone who is just catching up with us, we got a Australian Shepherd puppy the week after Easter, I want to say. So she is now five months old and she is out of purebred working lines and she really needs a job that is not hurting my children or the cats or me. How about the ducks? How does she do with ducks? Really well. And actually, ducks are a pretty common first dog training animal because they do flock together, unlike chickens. They don't tend to be as aggressive as sheep and cattle can be. You know, having a negative experience with an angry mama you or an angry mama cow when you're training a dog can ruin a good dog. So ducks are a pretty common place to start. I'm really excited to see what she does when she's got enough training and experience and age to be useful instead of just really enthusiastic. Had our favorite babysitter out last night to help with sorting through a bunch of the kids' toys. Both of, well, the girl child told me she doesn't love me anymore. She only loves Tina, who's the babysitter, and Tina is not her real name. The boy child told me that he loves Tina and me, so that was nice. Even though she was helping get rid of toys, or was it that they thought you were getting rid of the toys and Tina was the good guy? Let's just say that the kids haven't noticed yet that we got rid of anything and we got rid of like two and a half trash bags of like broken little toys and McDonald's Happy Meal toys and yeah, all the stuff they couldn't possibly part with if you asked them, but they never touch. There were, I want to say, close to 20 of the girl child socks between the different toy boxes yeah which explains a hell of a lot about why i keep buying socks there's no still never has any yeah i don't i don't know other than that everything's good the girl child is still and why you've cussed footwear several times yeah yeah (laughs) 
I had to go buy the boy child new Crocs yesterday because he could not possibly go to daycare without his orange Crocs, which he outgrew literally a year ago. So I bought him some knockoff Crocs at Walmart yesterday and we'll see how happy he is with those. And Are they the right color? No, they're black and white, but he seemed okay with it. So he'll have to deal. Yeah. I think so. You said last week you had a preschool graduation. So does that mean they're both back in daycare for the summer? Like, is it technically summer holidays for school? Yes, they're both in daycare. The girl child is asking approximately eight times a day if it's time for kindergarten yet. She's very excited about it. I realized yesterday the kids have been kind of snotty with each other. And I realized that they are now literally spending 24 hours a day together, which. I think we're going to have to do something about because that's a lot and it's kind of unfair to expect them to have any degree of chill because they're the same age. They're also playmates. So it's not like they're taking off at home to do two different things. They're always together. Um, Your kids still have some school left though, right, Arlene? Yeah, we go until the last week of June. So I think my high schooler will be done a little bit before that. They are not doing exams yet again this year because of whatever COVID policies were enacted earlier in the year. So no exams. So I think she'll probably finish up a bit early, but yeah, the boys will go right till the last week of June. So, and then we'll be together 24 seven. Yeah. When do you start in the fall then? After Labor Day. Okay. Yeah. See, we start right after Labor Day. Middle of August usually. So Mm -hmm. we're usually out by the end of May. Sure. I know when I was a kid, at least, they let us out early and sometimes started late because none of the schools had air conditioning and it would get nasty hot in there. Yeah. And I would say that's probably part of it here too, is that our schools don't, I mean, I'm sure there are some that do, but not the ones that my kids go to. Yeah. Well, and with COVID, we haven't had any snow days the last couple of years between COVID and the weather. So I know that's made our year. COVID stopped the blizzards. Yes. You know, the one, <laughs> the one upside of a global pandemic, you know, now um, unrelated. Thank you. Climate change. How's <laughs> that? You know, everything else may be going to hell, but at least we're having fewer snow days. And I think but, we're having more because we yeah. get more ice storms now versus snow. Cause there's, there's a lot of like that freezing precipitation instead of just pretty fluffy snowflakes, but yeah, I'd rather have snow, I guess. Yeah. So how's everything else going at your place, Arlene? Things are pretty good. Some hay is still getting done. We had a breakdown of probably one of the most important pieces of equipment on the farm, the lawnmower. So that was a near crisis, but I think we've decided to bite the bullet and buy a new one because we've done enough repairs on the one that we had that I don't think it's salvageable anymore. So yes, a new lawnmower. So that's very exciting for everybody. And the exciting news today is that my least favorite cow in the barn Saturn. She got dried up today. So she got milked for the last time this morning for a month or so. And she didn't even kick me this morning. It was like she was pretending that she wasn't my least favorite cow in the barn. But so we don't have to, I don't have to watch out for her flying feet for a little while. So that's exciting. And on the kid front, I had my second child. So the oldest of the three boys did his high school tour last week. And I don't want to say that it's all boys, but some boys as they move into teenagehood are not super chatty. 
And, you know, he likes to talk about the things that he's interested in. But most of the time, especially after school, I don't get a lot of info. You know, it's like, how was your day? Anything interesting happening at school? You know, even trying to ask open-ended questions, I don't get a whole lot. But he actually came home from the high school visit pretty excited about some of the things they got to do. So he got to light some stuff on fire in the science lab with the Bunsen burners, which was exciting. And he got to do some coding in the computer lab. So yeah, sounds pretty pretty happy about the prospect of, of high school. So the big adjustment is going to be that our high school starts about an hour and a half earlier than elementary because they double up on busing. So where he normally gets on the bus at about quarter to nine in the morning, he'll be getting on the bus at about quarter after seven, seven thirty next year. So that will be an adjustment for sure, but we'll deal with that in the fall when it comes. And there was something else. Oh, I actually went to a concert on the weekend. Have you ever heard of choir, choir, choir? I haven't, but I was going to ask because I saw it on your Facebook. Yes. You know, in the so, five minutes that we were not messaging back and forth, I was stalking yeah, your Facebook. I was actually doing something. So, yeah. So they are a Canadian duo. It's two guys. I should know their names, but I don't. Anyway, so they run these concerts and it's kind of like a combination between karaoke and a choir rehearsal. So we're at this big theater with, you know, thousands of people. And so this one was a Fleetwood Mac theme. And so they put the songs up kind of on big screens and one guy plays guitar and the other one leads the audience. And so there's like singing and banter. And then at the end of the show you work and they divide the audience up into parts and do you know you do harmonies and stuff and then they run through kind of a performance of one of the songs as a group so the rest of them are just kind of like you just sing your heart out and then for the last one you're actually like in your parts and they're like leading you in and stuff so yeah it's just fun it's kind of interactive and community building and not like a super expensive you know, thing to go to, but yeah, it was just really fun. And it felt especially nice to be doing something with other human beings for the afternoon. So it was nice. And let me say as someone in their forties, I think a 4 PM show is perfect because you could go out for lunch before, if you wanted to, you could go out for supper after, and it's still not super late. So 4 PM, 4 PM no, Sunday, that's, that's the time you should always have shows. So we did our, our song three times through, and then they, they tape it and, you know, put it all together and we'll eventually release it. So, I mean, I was in like the back row of one of the, like on the mezzanine level. So you won't see me, but you'll definitely hear me singing. I'm sure. What song did they have you do for the last Now I'm blanking on it. It was a Fleetwood Mac song, but now I can't remember the name. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll share it once it's, once it's out in the public. Good to know. No, that sounds super fun. Yeah, it was um, fun. There was something else I was going to ask you, and I don't remember what it was. Oh, the I think one of the real upsides of being an older mom of younger kids is that so many of my friends have high school age kids like you do, you know, but we're roughly the same age. Mm-hmm. And it's a good reminder of how fast these years with little ones go. You know, I was rocking the boy child at the dinner table last night. He was very tired. He was just, he's possibly the cuddliest child in the world anyway. And so he had climbed into my lap and Tina was still here and Jim was here and, you know, I was rocking him back and forth and kissing him and hugging him because he just really likes to be kissed and hugged and cuddled. He's that kid. And 
I was just thinking about that that the saying about you know the days are long but the years are short is horrible but also absolutely true and how good it is to remember that when they're still little because I know the day's coming soon that he's not gonna want that and that even if he does it's gonna be real awkward because he's gonna be like 17 he's probably gonna be six inches taller than I am and I'm gonna be trying to you know pull him into my lap it'll be weird you know (laughs) yeah yeah so you know I'm unabashedly that mom who spends way too long hugging and kissing and tickling her babies and saying goodbye at school every day because that's all right they need it I need it everybody's happy you know yeah you might as well Um, suck that stuff in and I find anymore I'm frequently the kid or I'm frequently the mom who is giving hugs to other kids because our kids classmates will now just come up and hug me so (laughs) you know what that's fine I can be that mom that's all right yeah that's right they won't always want that. So that would definitely be awkward when they're 17 if you're at the gate of the high school offering hugs to kids. Maybe don't do that. Yeah. I have to say though, I've got a number of friends who participate in various like gay pride events, you know, handing out free hugs to folks who are estranged from their own families. And sure, I will always yeah, have hugs yeah. for those free people. Mom, yeah. Please. That's true. Free mom hugs are always available, but. But that's a little different than waiting at the door at the high school and randomly. (laughs) Yeah, just hoping. I I can just imagine how embarrassing. Free mom hugs every day. If you were that mom, you know. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure they'd love that. You should try it out. Ask your kids how they (laughs) feel about it. Yeah. So when you start high school next year, do you want me to come and pick you up every day and offer your friends hugs? Yeah. Don't be weird (laughs) at all. No, not not weird for sure. Yeah. On that note, should we move on to our guests for this week? Probably. <laughs> All right, let's do that. So today we are talking to Claire Smith, who lives in the same part of the province that I do. Claire serves in local government as a councillor in Rita Lakes Township, which is my township here in Eastern Ontario. So welcome to the podcast, Claire. We start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. So we ask, what are you growing? And this can cover crops and families, businesses, social movements, all that kind of stuff. So Claire, what are you growing? Well, we have a lot of stuff growing right now. Commercial farm-wise, we have milk cows. We have a certified organic dairy farm on what was my husband's family's farm, now my farm. So we milk, it's smaller relative to most in the area, but we milk about 22 cows and raise heifers and and calves and grow all our own crops because of course it's very expensive to buy organic grain and so we have all kinds of old equipment kicking around all over the place as most farmers do some of it's lucky enough even to be indoors we also have three children and i'm, I'm pregnant with our fourth due at the end of june oh and congratulations another thanks. mama of four yeah about to be anyways so yeah just enjoying the having no babies right now and and wondering why we are gonna go back to that sleeping through the night has been really wonderful but here we go we also have just for ourselves like 13 hens and a rooster we just incubated chicks for a second year in a row so we've got some baby chicks running around in the yard it's adorable with their two hens that are co-parenting them and you know garlic's coming up the daffodils are coming up stuff like that what ages are the kids that you have outside your body right now Outside of my body, I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. That's that's, that's busy too. Planning 
you know, I like that. <laughs> It was not, yeah, I don't know, it worked out that way. They're all like, all, up until now, they were all January babies. And then I was like, I want four kids. So we need to get this into the next, into this municipal election cycle. Ideally for me was what I was trying to figure out. Like this has been a really great maternity job and they're four year terms. I, you know, great job security for those four years. So let's have another baby quick, you know, on this two year cycle, that's great. <laughs> two terms four babies and then I can you know work more than a part-time lower tier rural municipal counselor but family planning only goes so far so now we're gonna have an election and I have to like choose if I'm running again or not and we're gonna have a new baby and we're off the January schedule having a summer baby so just hoping to be done first cut <laughs> yeah although Katie was, and I've discussed before yeah the fact that all my kids were born in the winter and then you start to regret having all the birthdays close together. So at least you're going to have one that's mm. what's outside of the January, the birthday party scheme, which has yeah. been as big of an issue during COVID. But once you actually have to start throwing birthday parties again, maybe having four in the same, same month will be, a, will be a bit of a, a good thing. I know we were running out of space in January. Yeah. The indoor party too. Mm. Yeah. It's so, really hard to have outside COVID parties when it was like 30 below there's a <laughs> yeah, for 40 sure. kilometer wind claire what breed of cows do you guys have because i know people are well they're cows. not registered my husband and his father got out of registering cattle like in the late 90s and so they're fun because they're some of them are pretty mixed up i would say a, a holstein base and then there's a lot of brown swiss cross some a lot of red holsteins we're trying to get more pulled Holsteins as well, a couple Guernsey thrown in there. You know, it's great. Like you can just buy whatever semen you want and mix around. So it's a little bit of everything, but most predominantly Holstein and Holstein crosses. So four legs and hopefully four tits is what I'm hearing. Yes, they all have four tits right now, actually. Yeah, We've gotten rid good. of all our three hey. tits for the current lactating group, anyways. That's pretty good. So what, what generation are your kids on the farm then? On this farm, so the, the Smiths and Bush Garden Farm, which is, you know, where I've married into, they would be the sixth generation. And it sort of goes through, you know, my husband and then his father and then his mother and, and so on. So like pretty old family in the area. And they were on a different farm just down the road, actually, and then sort of bought this one and, and moved early after they immigrated from from Ireland and then plus my husband's mother is like I don't know sixth or seventh generation and then I grew up on a different dairy farm on the other side of Elgin so I've moved across the village to this exotic west end gone organic because I grew up on a conventional dairy farm and I was the third generation after my dad's grandparents or my dad's parents had immigrated from Holland after the war like a lot of Ontario dairy farmers so are you still allowed on the other side of town? It's very different. So they will let me visit. I don't have title on any land though. So okay. I grew up a bastard, which Arlene maybe will know that like our pre-amalgamation <laughs> township. I grew up in Bastard in South Burgess and then in the Bob Ray amalgamations of small rural governments. Then I, I, we turned into Rideau Lakes Township, which is what I'm a counselor on now. But the council in Rito Lakes 
we've kept representation from these old historic townships. So, you know, councillors are elected by wards. So I, I was born a bastard, but I have left and now I'm in South Crosby, which is the other side of Elgin. <laughs> I've always wondered, and maybe as a counselor, you know the history as to why it was named Bastard Township. Like, what was that a family name or how did they end oh. up? I don't even know how it ended up being kind of a, a negative word, but it's a weird. <laughs> it's a weird I'm one. trying to remember. It's a Scottish thing, I believe. I want to say it was like a Scottish lord. Sure. That it was named after and he possibly can... an early settler. <laughs> We'll Google this one later. But okay. Yeah, I wanted to, wanted to clarify that Bastard was the township name. Yeah, Bastard and Southbird. And there's still like a lot of some legacy from that old township. There's like the old Bastards motorcycle club. You know, sometimes there'll be some community group wanting to fundraise and they'll make up some swag and you can get like a proud to be a Bastard button. Yeah. You don't want to let go of your history, it's but it's awesome that fun. Area. So... Claire, my question starts with I, saying that I don't want to stereotype, but I'm going to say that you don't look like the typical candidate that I picture when I think about people who are wanting to get involved in politics. You're definitely younger. And I mean, in a lot of places, being female means that you're not kind of your typical candidate too. So I'm curious about what led you to get involved in politics and just kind of your motivation for becoming a counselor in the first place. Yeah, so I'm 30, I'm almost 32 now, and I was, everyone, I guess, took a, a leap of faith or were just so dispirited with the, dispirited with the former counselors that they thought, well, I was maybe worth a, a shot. So I got elected in 2014 for the first time, and I was 24. So that was really cool. I was volunteering a lot because I had no children yet. So, and I just really loved Elgin. So I was volunteering for like our Elgin days. This is our village, right? So I was volunteering for the Elgin days festival every year and like helping with the lawnmower races. And then that sort of led to being, you know, oh, I'm on this like township committee now that sort of loosely is organized and also does the, the rink in Elgin. So then I got involved in the rink and I was doing this like recreation volunteering you know community building spirit stuff and then of course because it's actually like not that common to have a lot of people who want to volunteer their time for free to do things then it's very easy to move up so then I ended up being the chair of the committee and it was really annoying because the township was always telling us like you can't drink while you're flooding the rink or like we're gonna put seniors housing on the baseball diamond so no more lawnmower races for you and I thought well I'm naive and like I've had civics class in high school and you know I've gone to Toronto and like and now I have liberal arts degree and I think that the government is supposed to be doing what we tell them to do because the government is us and it's representative and it's democracy and they're telling us to do stuff all the time or not do stuff all the time and they're not doing what I think they should be doing. And I'll, I'll just run for council and, and that'll be, that'll fix that. So yeah, I had been in 2014, I was like managing another farm. My husband and I were, you know, had bought our house. We got married that year. And then I got, was pregnant also with our first child. And I just thought, well, I'll just, nobody is registered. We're like two months into the nomination period. I can't believe nobody else cares and isn't, isn't, nominating themselves or getting nominated to represent South Crosby and so I'll do it and 
who knows what that will be like <laughs> but maybe at least we'll you know th they won't call the cops on us when we're out like late at night flooding the rink and you got to stay warm <laughs> i love that being naive was a big part of your plan <laughs> i don't know any better yeah i continue to be naive as well so <laughs> I'm, I'm still not done Claire, I've, I'll keep I've that found out. for myself that not knowing any better is often a tremendous benefit in life because nobody's, you know, if you don't know that you can't do a thing, you're not feeling negative about doing it because uh, nobody said it wouldn't work. You know, how many people yeah. are you representing then not knowing the uh, intimate details of the bastard, etc. township area. <laughs> yeah, so we have about 13,000 residents in the township and that is like varies a lot seasonally. So there's a lot more voters than who live here full time. But of course, like the thing about municipal elections in Ontario is it's based on where you own residences. So if you own, you can vote in more than one jurisdiction, basically. And we so have a lot of cottages in our area. So there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of summer residents or summer property owners. Yeah, so, and then not everybody votes and not everybody apparently like cares about lower tier rural municipal politics. So I think I got like just over 2000 votes in the last election. I don't know, like the village of Elgin itself is 300 people. And then, you know, our, our area is bigger than that. It covers the hamlet of Morton, the hamlet of Crosby, the hamlet of Chafees. So I would say maybe altogether there'd be like, 3,500 people in our ward. I don't, but it depends how you count them, I guess. I actually ran for county supervisor in 2020. And it sounds like our demographic is very similar, about the same number of folks. And it's like micro-politics. Yeah. But I, that's what I was, that's kind of what I wanted. Like I, it's, it's this stuff where it's very day-to-day, -day, especially having kids now. It's stuff where I want my community to be a certain way and I want them to, to, want, to love it as much as I do. I want it to be worth loving. And like, if things are happening because, you know, only certain kinds of people are, are running the local government and, you know, maybe they care more about like seniors housing, for instance, than having a ball diamond. You know, they're both important, but it's nice to have a balance and it's nice to be able to point at the library or point at a road and you say, like, I did that. Like, I, I got that. I fixed, you know, I fixed the main street of Elgin. Like, I helped pick those light standards. Like, I made everything accessible and pretty and nobody spent any money on Elgin for like 50 years. How has being a parent changed how you see your role in local government? Well, I wasn't really in local. I mean, I think it was like seven months pregnant when sort of it was confirmed after the first election and I got to start going to council meetings and like having opinions and, and them actually resulting in like, you know, actions being taken and money being spent as opposed to just fighting about stuff at the kitchen table over Easter or wherever you're, you're arguing about <laughs> your politics. So I didn't really get to do politics not being a mom but it was really great like aside from I felt like you know compared to how I had been able to perform as a student and then been able to perform as like an employee or you know somebody doing some of their own farming where I was like very high achieving you know prepared 
organized. I was not that anymore because now I had like a baby and I hadn't slept and I was, you know, not having the time to go and research issues a lot or put a lot of time into preparation and showing up like at a hundred percent. It was very much just keep the wheels from falling off. And I don't really know what I've gotten into, but at least I'm kind of the boss. So if I want to breastfeed during a meeting, it's like, nobody's going to tell me (laughs) anything. They might give me weird looks and I'm just not going to care. And I'm just going to make it work. So I think I would have probably been more organized and like been a little more proactive and like, you know, advancing my objectives. And instead it was very much just like, we've got a meeting. I got to read like this agenda and then the meetings in one hour instead of, you know, I've read this and I've had several days to process and I've followed up on several questions that I had. And yeah, so it was just a lot more like, hope the wheels don't fall off and hope that showing up is going to be most of what I need to do. <laughs> yeah. I I'm thinking of those first few months after you have a baby about how, you know, all your previous systems kind of get shaken up and you're not really doing anything in the same way anymore. And yeah, taking on a whole new job and new position and trying to figure that at the same time would be extra challenging. Yeah, it was really, it's been really great though. Like, especially because it is a part-time job being a, a counselor, you know, in a small place, like, it's a bit of a lifestyle thing, like with farming, you know, you, you're, you're not necessarily working sometimes and not working other times. You're just sort of always managing your responsibility, but it's, it's been really, it's been really positive. I think even especially when you ha- go from having no children to having children and, and not being as in control of your own life and how you spend your time. It was really nice to be able to get out of the house and like talk to other adults about non-child related things and and still feel like I was not so isolated, I guess. I was still involved in the community and, and I could fit this all together somehow. And then just growing up here anyways, like everybody who I knew here, I had known since I was a child. So it was, yeah, it's been a really wonderful experience and really rich. And it's nice for the kids to get dragged along to weird stuff like ribbon cuttings or ombudsman's reports or that's good for them, I think. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) If they can pronounce ombudsman, then they're further ahead than me, I think. Yeah. But like we had a library opening last weekend. I was like, we got it. We, I look at this new library that, you know, I helped choose to build and now there's internet over here in Morton because I said this is stupid there not only is there no there's no internet more there's not even poor internet there's no internet and now they have fiber optic high speed like <laughs> high fives through zoom Claire uh, have you faced any pushback regarding the who's watching your kids because that is one that I got and that I know a lot of female candidates yeah. have gotten and I'm wondering how we respond to that without pointing out too stridently what bullshit that is because i have never heard of a male candidate or a male business person or any male person at all i don't think being asked that about their own jobs about you know but who's gonna raise your children yeah right well again like it's part time so some parts of the year it's busier than others but Typically we're talking like 10 or 15 hours a week and the pandemic's been great. Cause you're like, I, I've 
it's not great because you don't get to meet people in person. You don't get to go out and do and see as much. But for the efficiency and for how much time it takes up out of my life or even, you know, like throw a show on and have a meeting or my three-year-old asleep right now and I'm in a meeting right with you guys. So that's been made it a lot easier. The only, it was really cool actually. Like we live in a pretty conservative area, but nobody said anything to me. Maybe they probably said stuff about me, I guess, but like, I'm a terrible gossip too. Like that's scroll down (laughs) but everyone's nice to your face and they're like bring you a casserole and give you a baby gift you need help so yeah it wasn't nobody was anything other than supportive as far as I could tell and they elected me like I was visibly pregnant and you know and then I was visibly pregnant again in the second election I ran in and the only there was only one time and it was sort of like secondhand like where somebody told me that somebody told them that like, I should just stay home and watch my kids. And I was, you know, it was hurtful initially. And then I had a bit of time to reflect and realized, wow, that's the first time that I have heard that actually, like way to go, rural Hicks. I yeah, feel like we've come a long way. But, and just on the childcare note too, like that was another thing I really feel proud about being able to like it's hard because you you never I've never done anything alone right it's just sort of cheerleading and nagging and whining and, and complaining and arguing and repeating yourself over and over again and you know it seems like stuff works out a lot after a while but like we have a full-time licensed daycare now in Elgin which you know I was on the board for and like I helped us get that so that the more parents would have opportunities to work more and otherwise I've, I've never actually used it I just have my kids in like part-time preschool for enrichment and for me to like come home and clean the house or whatever but that and like I've got my mom is on the other side of Elgin and we live across the field now from my in-laws so I've not really had to pay for a lot of child care it's just been lifestyle drag the kids along or leave them with grandma but uh, yeah that's been my sort of experience I guess with how they they fit together and it's been nice to you get to then go to the baby group at the library and I'm like oh it's like kind of work and kind of play and kind of like mental health for me (laughs) yeah you can kind of combine all that stuff together it could be yeah. a fact finding fact finding mission, but your baby's also getting some stimulation and songs. Right. And I got coffee, like a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So what has been the biggest learning curve in political life? I mean, obviously you came into it with rose colored glasses, it seems like, or at least a lot of, of optimism. How how have how have you learned about politics and, and what's been the hardest thing to kind of figure out and and get acclimatized to. Yeah, so I think the biggest learning curve has been like, I really, I feel like I really knew my community. I knew the area, I knew the people. Obviously I've gotten to know them a lot better now because of what I've been doing for the last eight years. But I didn't know a lot about like sort of the structure of government, I guess, of how municipal government works. Like I said, I had like the high school civics class where it must have been referenced at some point, like municipal governments are the only government that's not allowed to run a deficit. So back in 2014, the time of the first election that I ran in and, and I was elected, 
that was a big issue was that there had been poor financial management at the township. We had quite a bit of debt. Like the township was funding payroll out of an operating loan. We had like a $2 million operating loan that we were always almost using up. We had no money in the bank. And, and I was like, we are not allowed to have a deficit. So like, obviously that can't be an issue. And then I got elected and I start looking at these reports every month. I'm like, I don't really understand this, but we do have an issue. Like, where's all the money? Is it stolen or is it just lost or what? And it, like nobody else understood either, it turned out. <laughs> so that was a bit of a tough time, but there was myself and a couple other, the newer counselors who like hadn't been looking at these reports for as long and didn't have sort of that, that bit of embarrassment of like, ooh, things aren't right financially here, but I don't want to admit it because that would mean like that this is you know I've <laughs> we we hadn't been a part so much of like that process of things becoming mismanaged so we just showed up and started complaining that like where's the money and and things aren't being done right here and now we're gonna have to raise taxes and like what's going on did somebody steal something or you just couldn't keep track so that it was good at the start I think to be naive or to think that you have to do everything in public meetings like that you know everything has to be done in your municipal services committee meeting and now I think I just do a lot more informal calls to staff or other counselors and you sort of work things out and it's it's actually easier if you don't have to go through formal motions and minutes and that for some things that you want to get done but then you know even I had a I had my first scandal this year so I don't know if Arlene saw it in the newspapers um, I did, but, but I wasn't going to bring is... it up unless you did. <laughs> no, well, it's uh, it's happened. Like, <laughs> and nobody wants to. Actually, it's been pretty common. Like, my husband will be like, "Oh, so and so was like talking about how you're famous because you were in the newspapers." Like, nobody ever asked me about it. I had like two weeks where I couldn't talk about it legally because right. again, like being a counselor, there's this stuff you're not allowed to talk about. Like, it's illegal to tell people about things you discuss in closed session. Or I had a complaint against me to the integrity commissioner and I couldn't talk about it while the investigation was going on unless I was gonna get a lawyer, which I wasn't gonna do because it just didn't make sense for like how much money I make to pay somebody else $350 an hour. I was like, I think I didn't do anything wrong here. I'm just gonna play it straight. Like I've done everything else. I had a complaint against me and I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't even tell my husband, like while this is going on, I'm like being investigated for my conduct related to a planning application. And, and then it all became public and I still couldn't talk about it. And everybody knew. And I was like, I can't comment. I can't influence the decision of the council because I have a conflict of interest in the item on the agenda. So not only do I not get to vote, not only do I not get to discuss it in the meeting, but I also can't try and do anything outside of the meeting to, to influence the outcome of how this is dealt with so I couldn't speak to it and then now I can because it's kind of over nobody asked me about it so I had a scandal this year and it was it was again just being naive I am on the planning committee for our township and so we review development applications and we had an application across the road from where from my house where we live on our farm for like some residential development which we thought was pretty significant it was you know like a and these are my neighbors and everybody is kind of knows stuff about this anyways but anyway so we weren't going to say anything we were kind of sorry 
but hey, you know, if we, sh- we should have bought it if we weren't going to, if, if we were going to complain about what happens there. But uh, our neighbors ended up all writing in against this application, which then made us think, well, maybe they will. Like, I'm on the planning committee. I've seen, they approve a lot of housing stuff. Everybody wants housing in Ontario right now. I don't know about Niowa. But anyways, so, oh, well, maybe our neighbor, you know, he's like a municipal professional. If he thinks that it's worth writing in about, maybe it is. So, so I'll write in about it and we'll all put our name on the letter and say, you know, we farm, we've got cows or heifers or like cooping right next door to this proposed development. We foresee this being a bit of conflicting land use. And I thought I've declared conflict of interest. I'm not participating in the vote here at planning committee. I'm declaring conflict of interest all the way through as we go. And, but then outside of that, as I thought a private individual property owner, I I was participating in the public process and like what anybody is entitled to do, you know, if a development application is going through, it impacts you, you're allowed to comment and try and influence the outcome, I guess, to avoid having incompatible developments and land uses. Yeah, I mean, like changes are, of land use are, are posted and announced and they actually ask for input, right? So I'm right, yeah, so I get this in thinking, the mail. I, I live close <laughs> to this property, they ask for my input Ooh. and who better than the people who have been asked for input than to give input, right? Yeah, but it turns out that was not, that's not how it is. <laughs> if you're <laughs> a counselor. That's not how it is if you're a counselor. <laughs> You can't just turn off being a counselor and then be a regular property owner. Right. And and it would have been fine. Like I should have just asked for free legal advice from the township lawyer as to like how to manage this conflict of interest, which I was having. And he would have said, you can't, you can't participate like a regular person unless you resign because you can't just turn off being a counselor. Like, you know, anytime you're interacting with staff they're always, you're always going to be kind of their boss. Like anytime you're interacting with other committee members, if you are, you're always going to be another counselor, even if you've declared this conflict of interest. Anyways, so I was naive. I just took it for granted that I could be a property owner and I couldn't. And then I found out after the fact that despite me thinking I was acting with integrity and transparency, that's not actually relative to the laws in Ontario, what it was doing. <laughs> so I had a scandal. It was like the most media coverage I've had at any point ever, uh, which was sad because I was like, man, like everybody who I know and who I see is like so nice and supportive and says nice things to me and about what a great job I'm doing. And for some reason, this is the only, not for some reason, I guess we, I know how the media works. <laughs> yeah. Not the positive stories that get to get to yeah, the, the library got a couple articles sales. but i mean the the, the conflict of interest <laughs> that gets yeah that gets definitely so i was in the, right? i was on like the evening television news in kingston and i was on i was in the kingston news and the brockville news and the smith's falls news and the westport news and it was on facebook and it was like claire smith has no integrity and it was yeah it was really hard yeah i bet and i mean as someone who read some of those articles, I will say that I did, it did seem to come through that you had declared a conflict of interest at different points. And so what I didn't understand is why someone at any point, say the planning commission chairperson or a staff member didn't speak up and say, or even privately say to you, Claire, I think you're on the line here. 
you should, you know, advise you and say, maybe you should look into the rules on this before they kind of let you get yourself in trouble. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's yeah. not there. So maybe that's in I'm the terms of the rules. Also... Maybe that's not their role either. But as right. someone who could kind of understand, I mean, we have a subdivision going up beside our farm too. And 10 years ago when that planning process happened, we submitted our complaints and our concerns. And I mean, I think, I think the wording was something like, these people are just going to have to get used to having neighbors. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, the planning, the planning commission did what it was going to do. And we're going to have lots of neighbors because there's a subdivision going in, but, but you got, we got to engage in the process, but I get, like you said, I guess as a counselor, you have to be more careful. Yeah. You have to be super careful, <laughs> but yeah, that was my, I mean, you hate to like blame it's, it's, it's easier i guess to try and like blame other people but it's also not easier because you really can't control them sure, so yeah. i was a little annoyed because it's like part of what i have done like has been at the advice of staff who told me to manage this in a certain way and the staff isn't a lawyer like our you sure, know planners yeah. and our ceo or whatever like they're not lawyers so i took bad advice and also it's up to a, a counselor it's up to me to to manage my own conflict of interest but yeah i was pretty disappointed like nobody said anything until it was over and you know what though it's because like with the ombudsman and the finance stuff turns out nobody else knew this was the rules either and they and then now as a consequence i'm like oh they've had to change the forms for everybody when they declare conflict of interest because the staff didn't realize like what the rules were and the mayor didn't realize when I was talking to him about my application across the road, the application across the road, he didn't know it was against the rules. Like everybody else also thought I was doing it right. So they're going to be right. more training now for counselors when they get elected. And it's just this, that's been like the biggest learning curve to go back to the question at the start of this was there's all of this like professional side of how the government works and the legal framework for what you can do and what you can say once you are an elected representative and, and you're held to a higher standard. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, whether it's like the Municipal Conflict of Interest Act or the Planning Act or the, you know, financial rules for operating a municipality, there's a lot of people who are professional in those things, in those areas, and I'm not. And I've just been learning by osmosis. And when you do that, you get a really rich understanding and lots of great sort of case studies and aphorisms and anecdotes. But I think I missed some of the sort of basic foundations that you get if you actually pursue a formal education in this stuff. Sure. And I mean, it's probably happening in rural townships, well, maybe cities too. I mean, like how much training when you're coming into the job do you get? Or is it kind of like you're in there and you're figuring, figuring it out as you go? Like, do you actually get any formal training when you first step into the role? Or, I mean, there's, like you said, there's so many rules and laws. It's not like you can know it all. But what kind of structure is there as you're going into Yeah, the and I mean, I just didn't even know what I didn't know in the yeah. recent case at least like I I thought I had nothing to hide so I was like I don't need a lawyer I've done everything <laughs> right and then to go, only to go through the very important and you know humbling process of realizing that I had done some things wrong and upon reflection that was that was the wrong way to handle the, the conflict we had some training 
there's a lot of training available. I will say that like there's, you know, provincial organizations for rural municipal governance or just municipal governance in general. There's conferences every year. There's workshops like locally we did. I remember when I was first elected, you know, one of the, our CAO sat down with myself and the two other new councillors and you know, we had a copy of the human resources chart of, you know, who did what in the office. And then at one point, you know, our planner sort of gave us a crash course in planning in Ontario and, and the structure around that. But I, because we had cows and we had kids, I, I didn't go to like the Good Roads Conference they have in the, Toronto every year or the Rural Municipal Association Conference, because I, I could have gone to the Royal York, but... <laughs> I, it's hard to get away, right? Like you guys know, you've got livestock and we don't have any employees. It's just our family. So I was just always taking the approach, like whatever, I'm just, anybody should be able to do this. Like politics should be accessible. And whether that's true or not, it's true because I'm going to do it. You're like doing that. it. <laughs> yeah. What I find really obnoxious too, is how much of political scandal depends on what interests the people who know about what rules are being broken have in what's happening. I mean, obviously somebody knew that you were doing the wrong thing and didn't see fit to tell you before they told everybody else. But like in the state of Iowa, we had a whole town that was apparently embezzling from the city coffers and nobody mentioned that until the state auditor caught them. You know, and I mean, it is clearly wrong to embezzle from the city like I feel like that's pretty straightforward but everybody who knew about it was doing it so there wasn't any you know reason to say anything to anyone so I just I find it really bullshit <laughs> that's, just, that's your technical term for that 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 is my technical <laughs> term you know that somebody will let you make an honest mistake because you'll get in trouble for it later it's just yeah like the, they've watched me hang myself basically like yeah know. yeah and uh, I, I guess again like to try and put a spin on it my husband but yeah my husband's like they just watched you hang yourself and then two days after everything is resolved it's all gone through council it's all gone through committee then you know the anonymous complaint goes in and I can suspect who it was, but I'll never know for sure. <laughs> so that's confidential too. <laughs> but I'm trying to look at it as a, a milestone, right? Where I'm like, wow, well, like up until this point, everyone, and you know, it's my own community. It's people who have, have voted for me in a lot of cases and taken that leap of faith. Like they want me to succeed. They don't want to like be disappointed in who they elected and, and you know, how well our community fares because of it they've wanted to help me and like advise me and, and give me hot tips. So I've just reached that wonderful milestone where I have enemies. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like you said, this is also hopefully going to clarify things for someone in the future. If, if it wasn't yeah. clear to everyone, including staff and other counselors at the time, and you know, it's probably happened in other townships too. I mean, one of the reasons people I'm assuming get involved in local politics is they can't want to make a difference locally. So that locally sometimes means on your back step. <laughs> so it's hard to, to be someone who's motivated and excited about politics and want to make a difference in their community and yet 
to know all the ins and outs of what's a conflict of interest and what's helping my community, you know, what's personal mm-hmm. and what's not, you know, like those, those lines, you know, like if, if the, if the baseball diamond is going to get turned into housing, but your kid plays baseball, then, you know, like, where's the line, right? Like, is this a conflict of interest because I don't care about houses or because I care more about my kid playing ball this season. And if he didn't play ball next season, I wouldn't care. You know, like I'm sure that it happens all the time that counselors have to really take a look at what's personal and what's not. Yeah. And certainly like what, you know, your own values are, are not going to be exactly the same as like what is in your counselor code of conduct that you, you know, sign and declare at the start of the term. And that's not going to be exactly the same as what, you know, is in the legislative framework in Ontario for municipal councillors. But I have now had two hours one-on-one with an expensive municipal lawyer. So going forward, I have a very good idea, actually, Arlene, of how to, yeah, uh, you've got that what to do now. the next time and what is a conflict and what is not. <laughs> I find it a little offensive, too, that they deemed this your political scandal. Like you couldn't have come up with something more scandalous if they, you know. Given well, maybe if she runs it again, she'll come up with something yeah. more exciting. Next time we're gonna. <laughs> I'll try. Yeah. Much. Yeah. Much Surely better. they could dig some stuff up. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, but again, it's a small town. I mean, everybody knows what everybody's done. Like they're not really secrets. But. <laughs> and if they don't. Yeah, it was just like right? sad to think that was like, oh man, like basically everybody that I know is just going to read about this in the newspaper and hear about it. And people I don't know who have not taken any interest in my life up until now, this is the only thing they're going to know about my career in politics it's that I was found to be in the wrong and be punished by the integrity commissioner and i lost i got my pay dog for a month <laughs> oh that's especially annoying yeah the reputation stuff was worse but and like the not being able to talk about it to my family yeah. my husband was worse but <laughs> that was the icing on the cake i was like i have to work for free for a month <laughs> yeah so that really well into my next question which is how do you separate your personal small town life from the demands of having such a public position well I don't know that I really do aside from like where I'm legally required to is for you know (laughs) keep your business and your personal property separate from the public interest and public property because you're not allowed to benefit financially from this the work that you're doing on behalf of the public I think like in terms of like who I am, like my identity and, you know, you go grocery shopping and you visit with people and you hear about what's going on or they ask you questions about something they read in the newspaper or you go to playgroup and you end up finding out like the hall roof is leaking or that somebody's garbage didn't get picked up. Like it's, it's all sort of mixed together, but yeah, I haven't really separated them. Anytime I was running for election, I tried to you know, you, it's, it's hard not to like care what people think, like, especially when you're a, a politician, a politician or wannabe politician in a popularity contest, but I've tried to just be myself and be honest. And, and that way, if I get elected, then I can just continue to be myself and I don't have to pretend that, you know, I care about something I don't or that I am someone I'm not. And there's enough other like real professionals and seniors and 
retired people who are on council and was like this is what I'm doing like I'm really busy I'm changing a diaper like while I'm talking to you about your lake association or it's COVID and like you know the kids really like talking on the phone so somebody's screaming the entire time that somebody else is complaining to you about like not getting a building permit <laughs> oh this is what it is like four more years well I think it's really good for people to see that though because I know you know, there's such a, at least in the U.S., there's such a perception that to be a politician, you have to have, like, been born a politician and, like, you know, gone to politics school and, you know, gotten a law degree and I, whatever, you know, that it's yeah for people who are more serious than you. Yeah. yeah and like one of the women that <laughs> I, I remember a woman at one point I felt bad like she was you know. yeah no but she was like trying to compliment me like this woman from Crosby was trying to compliment me about how I had made being a counselor seem so much more accessible I think like because I was a hot mess all the time like <laughs> <laughs> but it, she meant it nicely like she meant it as though like up until now you know, the counselors have seemed like very separate and different. And now look at you, Claire, like with your three-year-old at our meeting, like trying to crawl around the floor of this classroom or whatever. Like <laughs> anybody can be a counselor, obviously. <laughs> obviously. I, I know too, as a constituent, having politicians that look more like us than um, our local politics, at least, I don't know what yours are like, is heavily dominated by retirement age white dudes who do not adequately represent the a large percentage of the constituents in the county. And so I think it is really valuable for people just to see people who look like them and people that they feel more comfortable approaching about things. Because, you know, I even ran and I still wouldn't call up one of our you know, our county supervisors, because I have no reason to believe that they're going to care what I think about anything. So that actually really leads yeah, well into our next question. So, I mean, we're parents and farmers and life is busy and we don't always maybe stay in as informed as maybe we should, but when we do have concerns or we want to engage in the political process, what are some effective ways for us as parents or as farmers to let our concerns be known or participate in the political process do you have any hints for people who maybe aren't going to run for council but want to engage in say you know a planning issue or or something that they feel is important to their family or to their farm yeah I mean I'm still like figuring that out as well in terms of advocating effectively like it seems like with government you know as opposed to your your family or your farm where yeah, you have to do the work a lot of the time, but you can choose how quickly it gets done, how well it gets done. It's a lot harder. There's a lot of inertia, especially as you get into bigger and bigger organizations. And it just seems to take a lot longer for governments to do things than it does for businesses or individuals. And, you know, it's, it is what it is, but <laughs> I, I don't know the best advice. Like I've, been doing everything I've been I do a lot of nagging I do a lot of like tour got like for instance we had a, a drug problem locally and and it was really becoming an issue not just for the people who were involved in 
the drugs, but for the people who had to live around the people who were involved in the drugs, because they were like right in the village. So I was like trying all these different things. I was on this committee and they were doing work with the health unit. And then I was like calling the cops. And then I was like, finally, I was like, well, I just like talking and it's COVID and I'm going crazy. And I'm going to just like invite the mayor and this one other counselor. And we're going to go on a walking tour of Elgin. And then maybe that will help like if I could, you know, show them all the cool stuff I know about Elgin and also like this serious social issue that we have going on. And, and you know, nothing's ever totally resolved, but things did get better. And, you know, I didn't have the, at least the four wheelers at 3 a.m. or like the knife fights and stuff going on anymore. We were like, what is this place? This is really where I grew up. Like, this is not a great community to raise my children, I feel like now. So I think for, for people who aren't like already in, in politics, certainly like call your counselor at least and call your mayor, mayor and email them or it doesn't hurt. And I know, I think most people, at least in this level of politics, like there's not that much glory, like there's not that much money. Most people are in it for what I would call the right reasons, even if their priorities maybe aren't the same as mine or as somebody else's. Like it's, I don't think it ever hurts to make sure that you've at least talked to whoever is supposed to be representing you. So they've maybe got that conversation in the back of their mind the next time the issue comes up. But like, it can be really hard. Even one of the, my pet peeves, like was the roadside spraying that the township and the county were doing. Cause I knew a little bit about pesticides and like, I knew a little bit about land management. And I was like, this is like such poor, lazy, expensive land management that these governments are doing. Like they're just hiring a contractor to drive around with a boom and spray herbicides like broad spectrum herbicides on all of the roadsides in all of the township and all of the county and like they're just trying to find an easy button for like what has been branded as like the evil invasive wild parsnip and they're doing so much more damage by trying to find an easy solution to managing wild parsnip than they would be doing if they just did nothing like but because there had been you know marketing done to staff members and it had been kind of demonized as like this terrible plant that must be destroyed and and here's your your easy solution is just like throw some money at the problem and all you'll have is grass in the ditches now and eventually herbicide resistant wild parts yeah so i like banged on that one for probably well it was three years before I got the township to stop spraying. And it was like these incremental wins every year. I was like, well, at least they didn't spray my part of the township this year. And then one year they didn't spray any of the township. Like, wow, like that had to go to council like four times, but I did it. That feels really good. And, you know, maybe it was just because we were saving money, but also I think it was because I just kept repeating myself like moms do and <laughs> nagging everybody and reminding everybody what a terrible job they were doing and eventually got through. And then we had another election and I, and then we got the current mayor in and then I had nagged him so much that he got the, the county to stop spraying the whole, all the county roads in the township. Like, this is awesome. Like we will do spot spraying. Like if there's wild parsnip leaping out to attack your child while they're waiting for the bus, like that's fine. Call the road superintendent, call the weed man at the county and they'll they'll come and spray it. that's really what you want but we don't need to spray the entire all the roads and all of the township and have no flowers anymore <laughs> like and you know kill all the frogs because 
stuff is like banned in some countries because it gets in the groundwater so easily and it doesn't biodegrade. <laughs> so yeah, just try everything and see what sticks. Write a letter to the editor. Yeah. Do you have any advice for someone else who might be considering running for an elected office? Hmm. Yeah, I probably could come up with some. I don't know if it's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> I would say just go for it. I don't know. You, you get sicker skin the more you do it. And, uh, you know, you can't make everybody happy. But depending on your, your local political climate, at the worst, you'll like learn something and meet some people. And at the best, you might even get on. And then you got a whole new set of problems. But uh, I would I would say it's a nice break, honestly, like compared to how hard it is to work, to be a farmer, or to be a parent. And you just get to go and sit down and they have these comfy chairs and somebody else made some coffee, at least before COVID and everything's on the internet now. But you just get to go and have opinions. And that's it. Like you just get to have opinions and you don't have to do the work. <laughs> you have staff and they do it like it's amazing it's so much easier than than regular life <laughs> does sound kind of satisfying okay here are our opinions yeah. now you go off and figure it out right it's so bizarre at first but I love it yeah and you just have to get like different order of magnitude everything financially like wow it's hard to conceptualize spending this much of other people's money on things on projects and and what's appropriate like because i'm like i'm going home and i'm like fretting over you know like where i'm spending Groceries. like five dollars <laughs> yeah. yeah and then i go to work and it's like five hundred thousand dollars what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah. you have a 14 million dollar budget where are we spending it <laughs> yeah so do you see yourself continuing we are coming into a an election or a municipal election cycle do you think you're going to run it again or would you consider moving up into provincial or federal politics at some point or is this your this your niche this might be my niche Arlene like I've part of the appeal of of the municipal politics I think is that there's no for us here at least like there's no political parties at least not overtly you know you kind of know some Councillors also align themselves with, with certain parties, but right, but no one runs. You don't have the party yeah. politics. It's a lot more consensus based. It's a lot more interesting in terms of like, and it's not always the same people on the same sides of votes. You know, people kind of go back and forth. It's a lot more nuanced than just you know always voting, always falling on a certain side of an issue. But yeah, like with the timing of our next baby, it's like, oh, I might have. I might have considered running for mayor, except for it's just not really realistic time-wise. But it's also like you don't get paid very well to be a counselor, which is why I think there maybe are a lot of retired people in it because they don't need to also like have cash flow for their life and like save for retirement. They're there. They're just like yeah, doing they, something they made it. for the community. Yeah, because they have spare time and, and expertise and, and interest. So I think, yeah, I think I'll probably run again just for where I'm at, like South Crosby, because it's, it's just going to be really hard to walk away from now that I've like gotten so involved and I care a lot. And now I'm like the conservation authority too. And like, I just have all of these, I, I don't have that backlog of, you know, someday if this was up to me anymore, but just as things come up to to manage and, and try and make sure that 
you know, as much as I'm, I'm able to, that, that I have a community that I can be proud of and where I can point to all these different things and say, like, I got that day camp back up and running after COVID or like, I got, <laughs> you know, that roof fix that was leaking and I got that playground there, like, and it's, it's really rewarding like that, yeah. but it is just hard because you're like hanging out at coffee also with a lot of people who retired and have, you know, a lot more leisure time than, than maybe you do earlier on in life when you're a mom and a farmer and need to like pay your bills too. Sure. Well, I mean, as I'm not officially one of your constituents, but you know, as someone who lives in the township, it it's clear that you are really passionate and you care a lot. So, I mean, like to have someone on council who I know care so much about the place that we live in. I mean, that feels pretty special to me. So thank you for what you're doing for our little piece of the earth. Well, there's, and there's so many people who are like doing so many things. It's been really wonderful to get to get to know so many more people and like see all the, the volunteer work and the advocacy that people do that. Yeah. They, they're not getting paid. Like they're just doing it because they care because they think it's the right thing to do. Like whether it's volunteering for heritage, like that was the best. I was on the heritage committee in the first term because I got elected and it was weird for everybody that I was there. I think <laughs> like, where do we put you on the committees? Like, who are you? Why are you a 24 year old woman with your baby? Like, yeah, what is heritage? She couldn't do anything for the heritage, but it was so great. Like, it was every time I drove home from the heritage committee meetings, I felt like I was like on vacation somewhere else because you would just, I was just going to learn so much more. And, and you, there was all these like seniors who were volunteering and who knew so many things about the community and the history. Claire, we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at a county fair, what would it be? And that category can be real or made up to ensure your domination. I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot, Kate. I think I would stand a good shot at knitting. Like I'm a competent knitter, at least. I grow pretty good garlic. I would say like, you know, every year you have your wins and your losses in the vegetable garden. But I could, I'm pretty consistent on garlic, but I will say what I actually won the last time that we had the Delta Fair, I won for my baby because I wasn't sure if our third child was going to be our last. So I was like, well, I'm going to enter the baby contest that they have at the fair. And she, she cleaned up like all the other babies were just, they looked so bad compared to her because she got like first for the chubbiest cheeks and the first for like the best behaved and the cutest smile. And so she won like $10 or something and she was six I don't know, old. like, is this the political controversy here that like, <laughs> did you use your political office to sway the judges? Is is this the controversy that we, not that you're, I'm sure your baby's cute, but I'm, I'm just suspicious that you weren't like throwing your, throwing your weight around here. I did not, I, I did not, I swear. <laughs> I didn't mean to at least, like, I, <laughs> not I don't, and that's what I find with like the whole like my my whole scandal thing. I'm like, apparently I'm intimidating because nobody will ask me about it. Like no one will <laughs> I'll bring it up. It was like we had the Euchre Gate last week, which I won't get into the details of, but oh, that became no, the new scandal in Elgin. We had these scheduling issues with our community hall, and suddenly that was like the new problem of the week in Elgin and it wasn't me anymore (laughs) I was like making jokes about it like nobody will ask I don't know if people don't care or they were really nice on the internet though like everybody 
who was reading coverage who like knew me was like I love Claire and she's so great and I hope she doesn't quit so that was really how we can tell you're not American (laughs) Americans would have just ripped you apart like who cares if this well that's what I don't know if they're just not doing that on the like on the internet where I can see like in the comments but Yeah, well, I mean, I people in the comments are usually pretty mean. So I think if they were going to be mean about it, that the internet would be the place. So you're probably okay. I hope so. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm Run famous again, you'll now. Find, then you'll the, find The guy it. that sells, as George Sutherland says, I'm famous now. The guy that sells us our mineral for the cows. <laughs> On that note, I'm going to move us into our cussing and discussing segment. So if you are a listener and want to cuss and discuss with us. We've registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe. You can leave your cussing and discussing entries for us and we'll play them on the show. So go, go to www.speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo. Or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com and we will read it out for you. Katie, cussing and discussing, what's up for this week? I've been thinking about it for a while. Charging cords. Why? Oh. Yeah, in I already feel like I know what you're going to say. The actual fucking hell. Can we like put robots on Mars? We can try to send people to Mars. We can do all this, but we can't standardize charging cords. Like, why? 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 I'm sure there are valid reasons about who makes money or electricity size or... I damned if I know but why stupid that's all I got yeah yeah I gotcha I don't feel like I need to elaborate (laughs) we understand yeah Claire you just have to hang on to that box full of all the wires (laughs) all the different wires this is going to work for something because someday you're going to need it and it's going to be the day after you threw it out (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah I've been thinking about it too box of wires right now (laughs) <laughs> you, you, you've been sorting through cables today, haven't you? Everyone has one. Well, so Claire, uh, too, we, we got a new puppy last week, and now I have several fewer cables oh. than I had. <laughs> so hopefully those are the ones you I, don't need. Yeah, it'll be the ones they needed. She ate a couple. Going minimalist. Puppy-induced minimalism. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about what I wanted to rant about because I feel like I am good at ranting. However, then I also realized this isn't just like to my husband it will be to the public uh, <laughs> to all your listeners so that i was feeling like maybe i didn't want to get into covid stuff and like maybe i didn't want to get into international affairs and the economy I was like, honestly i'm just really annoyed at the weather because it's april 20th and like we've had a couple drought years here in eastern ontario but the upside was like we were on the land the earliest ever it was like april 6th we were on the land and then like the next year, it was April 5th, we were on the land and we're organic, right? So we're not doing no-till, like everything's getting tilled. So we got a lot of field work to do and there's still like standing water and it's April 20th and nobody's been on the land. Can't do any any field work at all. And like, it's getting kind of late and we're not going to have any grain. And we're already trying to think like bedding wise is we got to play we got to get more corn seed, I guess, because we're not going to get all the peas and barley in. So that's what I'm kind of, pissed off about and the, like, yeah on the list of things nothing we can't better control, to complain about weather. than the weather <laughs> exactly but I that mean, made that's it easier like, to, to sit you know sit inside or whatever and have a video meeting and 
or yesterday where it was like, oh, I got to tour all these campgrounds for our interim control bylaw. And it's springtime. We should be out working. Like, no, you can't work. It just snowed in like three inches. <laughs> I know it was crazy snow yesterday. All right, my turn. And this is political, but only in a sense. And I think it's a universal one, but we're in Ontario, there's going to be a provincial election. And I just hate the political nastiness. Like municipally, we, like Claire said, we don't vote for parties. So there are no parties, you're just voting for people. But we're going into provincial election and they're just so nasty to each other. And I wish that they would just talk about the issues and not be mean. And maybe that makes me seem too much like a mom, but I, I hate mean politics. It's just worse. <laughs> See, we're here like we get death threats about internet service when it comes up in political forums. Like, <laughs> everything's Americans mean. are wound a little tighter than you. It's <laughs> yeah. Probably the lack of, you know, health care and vacation and maternity leave and <laughs> sure. Yeah. Basic social well, I mean, norms. So, probably in I, comparison, I our, our elections seem very, very tame, but still, I just don't want them I don't to know. Yeah, each I other. be too tough. <laughs> Because like if we're into provincial politics, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes the health care that we get to have, you think, geez, I wish I could choose something better. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to pay for it, Claire. No, I don't either. That's why I've just gone totally prevention. I was like, the key is just never to need the health system because it's awful. So while we're on Canadian politics real quick, Justin Trudeau, actually awesome, actually evil. I don't feel like we get an unbiased view here. I don't think anyone in politics is either. I mean, I'm okay. probably too. Well, that's, that's an answer. I mean, they're okay. on my kid's bus route right now. So, I mean, people maybe have heard about the trucker protests. On my kid's bus route now, there is a, someone has made a homemade billboard with a certain word for Trudeau, spray painted. So that's nice, you know, like when you're driving with your seven-year-old and he says, mommy, that sign has a bad word on it, but I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> like, thank you. That's good. So, I mean, obviously there are some people who have some very strong opinions, but I'm not one of them. Yeah. Okay. He's doing what he does. Maybe Claire has different opinions. I mean, it's better. I've, I feel like I've never been that satisfied with any politician totally and completely. But he is like the best looking prime minister. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give him that. I, yeah. I started out very much on the actually awesome. And now I'm much more towards like, he's evil. <laughs> but but like, I still mean, be cutest, who knows? So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah at least Our standards are pretty low. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, Harper was like, not nice to look at. And then he did these weird like sing-alongs with like classical music and and also was evil. Like, well, at least I don't know. At least Trudeau's like trying for the political celebrity thing. If you're comparing him to like Boris Johnson, I mean we're just comparing him to other Canadian prime ministers. Oh, but even then, yeah. Yeah. You know, like if you look look at our money, there wasn't a lot of attractive, attractive guys. So he's all right. Yeah. In the looks department. So okay. Thank well, you, Claire. Redeeming factors. <laughs> yeah, now that we really got into the heavy-hitting political yeah. chat. So thank you, Claire, so much for taking the time to speak with us today. If someone wanted to reach out to you or find out more about uh, your <laughs> scandal or even just, you know, ch chat about, you know, political stuff, where would they find you online if someone wanted to reach out? 
Uh, well, uh, polit politically, I guess, my landline is on the Township calendar, 613-359-5-4. No, don't give people your phone number. <laughs> it's out there. It's all, like, that's what you're, you're a politician. Like, people call you. 359-5324. <laughs> my email is claire.gunnawick at hotmail.com. I have a Facebook page, Claire on Council. And then FarmWise, we also have, like, a farm... Because we make we, we direct market as well, so we have we've had to learn about marketing, which you don't have to do usually if you're a dairy farmer in Ontario. But we have a Facebook page, and we have for Bush Garden Farmstead Cheese, and we have an Instagram for Bush Garden Farmstead Cheese, and we make the only legal organic raw cow's milk cheese in Ontario, and it's pretty great. So you can go and get it at the grocery store. Or Call me on my landline or follow us on Instagram, whatever Perfect. you want. Yeah. Uh, Google Claire Smith counselor, and then you can read all the articles that were published. Yeah. Are there any articles about Euchergate? No, it has slipped beneath the media radar thus far, but no. I don't know. But it's about to blow up. But the people, that's what they care about. Well, maybe we yeah. can, you know, get a solid the people demand answers about euchre gate campaign going and you know bump you back it's very like i had to talk to the the ceo of the library about it and she was like it's very wingfield farm-esque like we're like this is really this is the scandal of elgin right now like yes it totally is it's a big deal <laughs> So thank you everyone for joining us here today on Barnyard Language. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language. And on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. And I'm not giving you my landline. And if you want Arlene's, you're just going to have to take that up with her. No, that's if not going to happen. If you want to connect with other farming families, you can join the private Barnyard Language Facebook group. If you are a listener of the show, we encourage you to become a patron through Patreon. A small monthly donation would make a huge difference as Katie and I continue to make the show. Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyard language to show your support. We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch.